Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. Today I have a young man I went to college with. We're actually alumni at the same same institution. He earned his degree in creative writing and with that degree he has become a motivational speaker, an author, and mentor to those in and out of his community. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Malachi Davis, also known as Chi. What's going on, bro? <laughs> What's going on, Brandon? Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out to see. Uh, I appreciate you, man. You, you're a busy oh, man. man. You know, you're a loving, <laughs> you're a loving man to your to your lady, your your father. Like you got a lot going on. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. But you know, love is love. You've always been a solid brother. So this, you know, this is nothing. This is just love reciprocation. You know. No, I appreciate that. So I guess my first question that I always like to ask every writer is: Does writing excites you, energizes you, or does it like make you tired because you put so much into your pen of when you're writing? Um, or it depends honestly, on the subject. Yeah, bro, I would say like, it depends on what I'm writing about. So like for me, I find it to be very therapeutic. So mm. like, I would say that like, it, it doesn't so much drain me, but it, it just puts me in a state of like relaxation. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be no different than like going to see a therapist or you know, talking to, to a good friend and just like letting everything all out, you know, like I'm, I'm doing that on the paper. So it's like when I'm writing for the most part, the subject matter is very personal to me. So it's, it's, it's very therapeutic, it's very relaxing. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, just puts me in a good space mentally. So like if I'm upset, if I'm angry, if I'm going through something or, you know what I mean? I might just grab, grab the pad and just start putting thoughts down on the paper and it, Usually, you know, for the most part, helps me. It just puts me in a, in a better space, a better mindset. So, is that like meditation for you at this point? Like, a, like a routine, just like just staying yeah, sharp, even if you don't do it all the time? Yeah, man, definitely. Because it's like people, I think people always assume that, like, when you're a writer, you always have to be writing a novel, or you always be happy. Like, people associate writing when you are. A writer by profession with it has to be a piece of work or something that you're working right with. what's yeah, your body like, of work <laughs> yeah like, nah, like like right for us could just be you know journaling it could be you know uh, um yeah putting thoughts down on a piece of paper like it's, it's it's a lot of different things that you can write when you're a writer that don't have to really be like something you're gonna put out or a, a piece of work that you're working on you know what i mean it could just be something personal for you a poem whatever so like yeah, for me, it's like definitely meditation because I'll grab my pad and just start writing anything, you know what I mean, about my day or I might start writing about like trauma that I dealt with as a child. And, you know what I mean? That might not never right. hit anything, but that's something but, that I always be able to look back at and, and use, and, you know what I mean? Yeah, every year, on top of the year, I start off with a new journal. I started off with like a prayer in it and then I write what I want to manifest and then I just chronologically... Just write whatever whatever I'm feeling at those moments. It's like a prayer book, but it's really a journal. It's important, brother, because you got to think about it. Like mental health is, is such an important thing right now, and you know, in the black community for so long, that's been something that was ignored, or you know, it was embarrassing to talk about it. So people didn't really, you know, want to go into detail or, or, or get help or you know, speak uh, to a therapist. Especially the era we grew up in, it's like you didn't want to like know right. not. <laughs> <laughs> like you, 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 you. If you 
suffer from some type of you know depression or anything like we feel like nah I can't I can't say this in public you know I don't know how right. people is gonna look at me so I feel like writing was always a, a safe place or like a refuge to where you could put those thoughts on paper and even though you might not be talking to somebody specifically it's like you're having a conversation because that's what I it, think people don't realize about it is it is person. It is. The only thing is, is when like you're back in the day when you're a kid and you're writing and your mom sees your book and she's like, yo, what's this about? <laughs> like, right, right, like, right. Whoa, whoa, nah, yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah. Right, she's, she's nervous, right? Like, yo, we need to give some help or something. Like, what's going on? Yeah. But, but yeah, like, the, the fact yeah. that it's so personal is dope. Definitely. So what are you doing to keep your mind sharp during the time of the pandemic? Um, you know what I mean? Bro, it's tough, man. Um, you know, having a two-year-old is like uh, a job in itself during this pandemic. So it's like for me, yeah. a normal day is you know dealing with her, trying to keep her occupied, and yeah. you know now that it's 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 winter time and it's cold and it's not like you can just leave and go to the park or you know what I mean, let her burn some energy. We're in the crib most of the time, and you know, the daycare that she goes to is, is still closed because of the pandemic. So she's home yeah. with us most of the time. So it's like, for me, it's a little tougher to keep my, my you know, right and sharp and stuff like that because a lot of the time I'm dealing with her. But um, for me, it's just like staying busy, you know, even if it's, it's virtual. Like, I, I know for me, I was accustomed to, like, you know, the winter time being a time where I'm traveling and, and speaking at schools and stuff like that. Like that was a real busy time for me usually because, you know, that's when, you know, school is back open and stuff like right. that. So I'm getting booked for a lot of events to talk at. But um, now I've just been having to really like search like virtual platforms and stuff like that so that I can still do what I do, but just do it in a different way. So, um, you know, my first virtual event was uh, Columbia University this past summer. And um, that ended up being a real, you know, interesting experience because for me, it's something about speaking and being able to, you know, associate with the people in the audience. Right, read the crowd's reaction. Yeah, it's a different vibe, you know. So it was was, was definitely a little weird, you know, being on Zoom and and talking to this, you know, big, large class and this little squares and I can't really read the room and stuff like that. But, um, you know... It's definitely an adjustment, and it's, it's definitely forced me to. Um, uh, that's probably when your skill as a writer heightens, right? It's because now you have to, <laughs> you have to make sure your point is poignant and not worry about right. the woman know you're getting your message across. I would imagine exactly. so. Exactly. That's dope. So the preparation is different. It's definitely a lot more preparation that goes into it with the writing and making sure that you know what's being said is is on point on topic. Because I don't have that, you know availability of looking at somebody in the room and saying, all right, well, she don't really look interested. Let me switch it up, because, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, we kind of just got to go off of, yeah, I know this is a pertinent topic, and, you know, they receive it, they right. receive let me, it. Let me execute. Right. Right. So what are some writing projects you're working on now? Um, Honestly, bro, I had a, a few things that I wanted to work on. So, like, for a long time, people have been telling me like, yo, you should do a, a poetry book. You know, like, like you should really look into to just having a collection of poems and, and, and putting that out. And I was, you know, procrastinating and, and, and 
for years and years and years, like it was something that like I would, you know, be like, yeah, I should do that and not really take it serious. So I had um actually downloaded this app um where you could like format your poems and, and your poetry. And um I've been writing a lot more, you know, with the poetry aspect, because I do wanna get that published, like just a, a poetry book based on different types of poem that you know, it's a wide variety of topics that I'm touching on from um, black single mothers to black issues in the black community to romantic stuff. So that's like my my main thing right now when I'm writing, cause I really wanna, I feel like the the novels obviously are, are dope, you know what I mean? Short stories, things of that nature, those, those are great reads and stuff like that. But I do feel like little books like that where it's like, it's not just one topic, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a myriad of, right. of topics and different poetry and stuff like. A lot yeah, of I people, think it'd be I dope know, I if like you was, like books like that. Right, I think it'd be dope if you can mix like some some short stories with inside of like of a poem. So like, maybe the right. broader topic is romance. Maybe you do a short story about a romantic story, like five six pages, and then right. everything else is poems after that. I think that'd be dope too if you was to do something like that for people. Yeah, that is uh, yeah, that is that's a good idea. Definitely. Yeah. Nah, I like that. I like that a lot. What about you, though, bro? What you, what you been working on? We've been uh, very busy. Well, yeah. I did. I never released a child book yet, though, the children book yet. But right now I'm working on... Um, I actually finished seven books, right? And I'm releasing them all in 2021. So I could take like a year and a half off of like publishing and putting things out and work on the marketing part. That's kind of why I'm doing a podcast to try to build content. So just stepping stones, bro. Like it's like, I already mastered how to put the book out and I need to master how to be seen more. So like, that's kind of what I'm working on to be honest with you. So I think a book you'll be interested in is um, Kids of the Diaspora. I did a part two to that, which is like, it's like the black friends. It's like five friends from right. New York trying to figure life out. But like, what does black really mean? Kind of like, you know what I mean? Right. Cause it's like, sometimes when you're from New York or the East coast, you kind of base yourself off your ethnicity first. So like I'm Panamanian. So yes, I'm a Latino, but like my skin's black. Like there's no hiding that, you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. So it's kind of, it's kind of those things is like what you, what I wanted to hit on for those books, for those people. Right. So. I kind of have a part two to that called Kids of the Diaspora, the Black Kid Manifesto. Then I have a, a small romance book called um, We Were Kids Who Found Ourselves Through the Cosmos. And then another little, you know, like rom-com book um, called Love in Central Park. Not really based on me and my wife's situation, but like we kind of had some of our deepest talks at Central Park. So, and that's where we got proposed that, where I proposed that. So like, therefore I kind of wrote that book on like just the idea of that and then i'm doing which i think you really be into is um a, cr a crime series like um you ever heard of mega evis yeah of course yeah okay good so mega evis right when he when he died like he also applied to like law school and for Ole miss which he was denied right so like imagine mm -hmm. if like he did like he survived his assassination and then he basically maybe moved up to Howard University, got his law degree, and then went to go fight the person that tried to assassinate him kind of thing, right? So that's kind of the premise. It's like yeah. prehistoric history. And like, what if his great grandson 
we became like a lawyer of a trade of like the lawyers being that that's the trade right so then his great grandson is now fighting different crimes of like the same elk and then trying to figure out other things that's happening with those trying to sabotage him so it's just kind of like just playing off of that i like that that's how i like that a lot yeah so i have i would definitely be into that no i appreciate that and that's a five book series with like three there's going to be a spinoff and i already wrote four of them and they all gonna be released next year. So just, just staying active, man. When you want to do this for for a living, I'm just trying to stay active. That's all. Right, right, right. No, that's true, bro. It's very important because it's, it's. I think you really hit the nail, um, you know, on the head when you said being seen is very important because you know there's so many people with great content, but just not enough viewers or just not enough people that know their work. But it's not that the work isn't great or isn't of substance is just, you know, in this day and age, the attention span is so short and everything is marketing, you know what I mean? Like everything is marketing. So like you you definitely write about that. Like you can't, like these days, it's not like back when we were children and right. that like the Eric Calls and the, the, you know, the people that did the, the George Orwell's or the Richard Rice with, you know, people read. So those books were, were getting bought and purchased and people went to the bookstore and went to the library. Right. Nowadays, it's a little different. You know, everything is internet, everything is is accessible and, and quick. So it's like, you have to have a whole marketing plan when you release stuff now. It, it ain't yeah. as easy as back in the day where like that wasn't necessarily needed. You know, like you just put out your work and, and got it published and, and people went and got it, you know? And it would be easier if like Facebook and Twitter was like how it was back in the day when they didn't have the algorithm set up. Like right, <laughs> we're only right. 5% of the people like actually see your post, like everyone got a chance to see it. No, I think you have better true. results. So now that that's not that's happening, it. it's like, you got to kind of reach out to people and it's not about selling them, just letting them know, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like here's my right, free website right. with these things. If you enter, right, right. here's a link, you know what I'm saying? But. Yeah. It's like it's a way of doing it without you feeling like you're pressuring somebody to try to buy something for your own survival, but you do want to yeah. like make a living off of your art. You no, know what I'm saying? 100%. So, 100%. so I think a podcast is a way to a cool way of just like, and I've seen you do like talks on YouTube and stuff just to like right, give right. out, just yeah, so yeah, people understand yeah. what you're doing. But it's like, like you know, there's a service to this too that helps both of us yeah. if you if you give me a chance, kind of thing. Oh, 100, percent brother, 100. percent Nah, this is this is the new wave of you know getting yourself out there honestly bro like the the podcast game today is like probably i would say the most conducive way to market anything that you're doing in any field like not even just as a writer that's anything you know today like you want to get people to view or see you jump on a podcast and you right. you know get your, yourself out there so but what i on the yeah. show, bro. but what i appreciate is like Writing is still a niche, at least for the black market. I don't know many people that's doing black writing podcasts. You know what I'm saying? So like, right. that's why I feel good of doing it in this. It's not like, I'm not in pop culture. I'm not an industry person like that. So I couldn't really speak on it. Like if I have true insight and a lot of people that I see that's now doing podcasts is talking about pop culture. But it's like, if you're not really in, in the culture and making money in the culture of that, it's hard for people to like really put eyes on you when they got a Joe Budden and other people. So it's like, right, right, right. Not it's like true. a catch twenty two. You know what I mean? It's like you got to know. Is. Like, I think if people do podcasting, what they what they feel like they're trying to master, it's it's easier yeah. to like, nah, you make you something out of it. You 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 have to find, like you said, you got to find your niche, and you have to 
to to capitalize off of what you know in your lane. So it's like, cause I've bro, I've seen so many different types of podcasts. Like I know it's a um, podcast that I watch occasionally called Flip the Script, and that's literally a podcast where they just take dudes that you know get money in the '80s or dudes that just came home from prison, and and they come on and they talk about you know how they change their lives the difference they're trying to make in the community that they destroyed. And, you know, that's that was a niche for him, and it worked. And now it's like, I see it all the time. It, it really blew up. But I remember the beginning stages of that when people was kind of skeptical, like, bro, this is like, what is he doing? But well, you got to stay consistent even when you're getting only five views. That's the hard part, right? Is when you don't see results, yeah. it's staying consistent. And it's like, same yeah. thing with book writing. It's like, even though you might not, make a profit if you break even to keep coming out with the next book that's the blessing mm -hmm. especially when you're independent trying to get it going but after you master how to like put the book out into the distribution channels you got to figure something else out it's not just about doing the same thing and not seeing the, the results you want so all right, all right. No, that's for sure, bro. just you know trying to give a little insight even though i'm still learning myself you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more questions about my books? Because I feel like maybe we just went on to a whole other tangent by accident, my fault. Like, <laughs> nah, come on, bro. You know it's so good. Nah, I was gonna say I think that's that's a um a dope concept, and then I, I I do believe that the pandemic is allowing a lot of people to stock up on you know content. So it's like like you said, you you're putting a bunch of books out, not just you know one or two. Like you got a whole bunch of stuff stocked out that just rock out in 2021 where you don't really have to worry about working on stuff you can more worry about the marketing and, and this part of it and you know sometimes us as freelance people and, and and doing creative stuff you got you still got to get the nine to five sometimes so it's like now i'm able exactly. to do that and not stress out about book 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 right. how am i going to fit time to write while doing right. that that part's taken care of because it's like when you're proactive i feel like i don't know god be lining things up when you're proactive man that's all i can say even if it's not monetarily yeah. like the scheduling, at least now, in my position to be better. And for no, that, I'm true. grateful. It's true. It's funny that you say that too, because I was just um, talking to somebody and I was saying, you know, it's so important to be proactive rather than reactive. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're saying that really is so true, bro, because that's anything in life. And like, that's a, actually a, a huge lesson that I'm learning right now, like the importance of always, no matter what it is, being proactive. Because, you know, when you have that reactive attitude, you're always responding to something after the fact, you know what I'm saying? Right. Rather than saying ahead of the curve. So yeah, you're right about that, bro. Like bro, productivity comes when you're proactive all the time. Yeah. And what helped me learn that is um it was some book that my friend was um reading and he's basically saying like how they basically say to make a list for the week of the things you want to just get done, regardless of how small or how big. And if you knock those things out, you'd be surprised how many how many things you knock out of your week that's like just making your whole life better and it helps you have quality of time for even your family because now you're not, oh, sir, I got, in like three hours, I got to do something else because now it's due. It's like, no, nah, you took care of it when you was able to. You're not stressing. Everybody's able to be more relaxed because you relax in your household, you know? So I'm trying to right, right. learn the thing, unlearn some of the things that I learned in my own house and like better it for the house I'm in now with my wife and like when we are blessed to have like kids and stuff. Like I can teach them right. better habits than I have of myself. So yeah, yeah, it's about trying about. to grow. That's, no, all. that's the truth. And, and carry the, carry the torch. You know, that's, I think that's the whole point of uh, 
you know, having a family structure where you have generations and generations is to make sure that you're always advancing what you already learned because everybody's not going to have it all figured out. But, you know, you hope that what you learn from your parents, you can take, you know, evolve that, make it better. Then when you pass it down to your children, they'll be able to take it a step further. And, you know, right. and I think that that's what it's all about because none of us is going to have all the answers ever. You know, life is ever changing. It's always evolving. So, you know, you just want to make sure that you're preparing your children the best you can with the best you know from what you've learned and whatever advancements you've made on your own. And they can take that and do what they do with it. True. So I guess to kind of reverse pivot a little bit back to like storytelling and books, what's the best book you've ever read that you, uh, what's one of your favorite books that you read that's fiction? And then tell me one that's nonfiction. So I would have to say that I think my favorite fiction book of all time would have to be um, Animal Farm. Um, I read that book at a very young age, you know, like, so it it, it kind of hit me a little different because I've read it multiple times at different ages. So like right. in elementary school, when I read it for the first time, it was it was certain points that might have like, I missed it. Like it went over my head because I was still young and I didn't really understand the political, like, you know, there's aspects a lot of, of it. yeah, like the, the, the aspects didn't necessarily hit me the way they did later on in life. And then, you know, reading it again after that, it's like, you know, as you learn more and go back on certain books, you, you start to pick up more and, and grab little messages that you might have not grabbed or you might have not had the mental capacity because you just weren't old enough or you didn't experience enough. So I would definitely say for the fiction, it's definitely um, George Orwell. And um, I would say that my favorite nonfiction book, honestly, I have to be um, Black Boy by Richard Wright. You know, Black Boy by Richard Wright. Yeah, it's like his autobiography. Okay. And um, that, What's his life about? Cause I don't think I haven't read that, I'll be honest. So Richard Wright was an author um, who you know, grew up in Chicago and, you know, that was during the civil rights era and, you know, things were still very segregated. So um, he's just talking about his life um, as a writer and the things that he had to go through during that segregated time and, and just trying to be a published author that had good content and stuff like that. And I, I actually read that um, after I read Native Son by him. So it was like Native Son kind of grabbed me and it made me more interested about him. And then I found out about Black Boy and I said, you know, let me let me read that. To Native Son is like what he's revered for, right? For some reason, the most yep. compared to everything yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that title a lot. So like, I, yeah. yeah. Now nah, he look, yo, bro, he's honestly, in my opinion, one of the best Black, well, Best authors, period, but like as far as black authors go. He's like, up there with like August like, Wilson and all of them, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, I got you. And, uh, he just did, you know what it is? He didn't write as many books as a lot of those other guys. So oh, he's on his Lee Harper flow. One like one exactly. book. <laughs> right. Like, like, like he don't he don't have a crazy extensive collection of books. So like that's why I think a lot of people aren't really privy to um you know, his work like that, but like his books, the books that he did, right, bro, they're like excellent, like Black Boy, excellent, Native Son, excellent. Like he, he's, he's a, a very ill writer. Yeah, I'm gonna I think check he him out. Ahead of his time, bro. Like I think you'll really appreciate him because of that. Like he's not, 
it won't feel like you're reading a book from the 50s and 60s and like it'll feel current. No, I feel you, but I think because of where I grew up, it's like I grew up in Long Island. So like although I was born in the Bronx, I grew up in Long Island. So it's very segregated. So like you talking about Chicago, I already know there's a lot of redlining there, same as it is in LA, you know? So like I could tell like some of the stories you were here and you you played ball at least in Long Island for a few years. So I know you you saw the difference of like the school busing and and things like that. So huge, huge coaching shot that certain things was going on. Yeah. Out there, that like I thought, like damn, I ain't even think this was still really going on. Like, well, because when people think of Long Island, they think of just automatically welcoming you from the five barrels, but it's not. Right. It's, not it's not like that at all. Nah, nah, it's a, it's a, nah, it's a crazy dichotomy, bro. It is a crazy yeah. dichotomy because it's like yeah. you have that in the same area as the hood. So it's like, yeah, you like for for example, you have a place like Garden City where. Garden City is like one of the wealthiest towns in Nashville. But then you turn the corner and you're in Hempstead. You're in Hempstead. <laughs> nah, that's a fact. So it's like, and the dichotomy is crazy out here because it's like, you know, in, the, in the boroughs, you don't really get that. Like, things are like right. kind of far from each other. So, like, the, if you were in Brooklyn, you might be in Park Slope, but it takes you a little while to get to the Bad Style, Crown Heights, DeVille. Like, so. Yeah. It's a, it's a separation, so it's not like you turn the corner and it's like, oh, shoot, where am I at? Whereas in Long Island, it's like, yo, you could be in a beautiful neighborhood and, and you turn a corner and it's like, whoa. Right, like, where, how did the resources just stop? Yeah, like, what's yeah. going on here? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely... But this area's like that in Queens. It's just like, like you'll see, like, a very nice procedure, something at home that, like, kind of just... You know, lost their way because of like a resource. It's just you know no, that's, a, that's a fact. Yeah, but, that's a true. So yeah, I'm definitely mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. listening to Native Son because of that. Because if if he's from Chicago, I'm sure he's relating to things about him being maybe from the South or West Side compared to them not yeah. wanting nobody into the North Side, which they still dealing with to this day over in Chicago. So I can only imagine yeah. nah, why you say it's so relevant now. No, you know what I mean? for sure, for sure, for sure. So definitely gotta look into that book. So, um, do, besides your poetry, but you have any other projects you're thinking about doing or, or anything? Yeah. yeah. So I was gonna do, um, uh, and this one I'm not a hundred percent sold on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Tell me the idea. Let's see if we can flush it out together right now. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I had um, somebody actually somebody that um, from New England College. They were telling me, okay. like, listen. You should, you've always been somebody that like I've come to for relationship advice, you know, and I've always found it very, you know, pertinent and, and great advice. And she was like, Do I know this person or was it after I graduated? Um, it was after you left. It's a um, girl by the name of Jasmine. She was uh, two years younger than me. So, you, okay, you yeah, like, definitely. Long, you was long gone. Yeah, I even graduated early. I was really trying yeah, to get out. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that, that you, you graduated early. But um, she, said that to me and then like a bunch of other people that like you know i would see when i would post certain things on instagram and stuff like that i was like yo you should do like a a book of just advice or like you know like a a, like a steve harvey kind of book like i think like a man but just giving advice to relationships period not just from a male perspective and i was like "Mm, i don't know but i think it's dope because you're a motivational speaker so it wouldn't be hard for you but it's like right 
to write something, but like not be the biggest where everyone's revering and wanting more information from you. I could see why you'd be like, I'll wait on that, but you should just have it yeah. down just so when you're ready, it's That's good to true. go. Had that stocked up, right? Like, like yeah. how you did with it, where I could just put it out any time or whenever I'm ready. It's, to me, it's easier to do that with fiction because there's only seven different topics you could really talk about, which people don't know, but like, I'll be trying to put that out there so hopefully people could do their research. You can only right. tell really seven different stories without it sounding super crazy where nobody wants to read it, which is like, right. you know, like if it's a criminal book, it's kind of like revenge. Like you can only do like seven different type of books. Like right. Right. when it's relationships, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy wants girl back. You know what right. I mean? Like you, it doesn't right. change much. Just the, no, it's true. The, the nuances. So it's easier for me to like tell you, yeah, you could do it. But it's like, when it's like a personal <laughs> thing, it's, it's much yeah. harder. Nah, it's a little different. You're right. But so that that was one that I um for a while I've been eyeing it and, and thinking about it. Cause I, I do think that it's a huge lane for that. And I do think a lot of people want that. You know what I mean? Like like you'll be surprised the amount of people that like on a daily basis, like, yo, I needed that message or yo, I was just going through that and you know, you never know. So honestly, you can write that with like four other people and knock it out. Like if it's like just yeah. you as, as your perspective and then like have like eight yeah. to 10 topics. Multiple percent. Yeah, that's true. And just, that'd be easy for you. That's an easy call. And it's, and it's, and, it's better, and it's better that way, honestly, because it's like, yeah. you're not just getting my perspective. You're getting multiple perspectives. So it's like, and then you can so sell the book through like a small podcast, 10 episodes, one season. Yeah. Y'all just talking yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk yeah. after this. We'll talk yeah, after but like i feel like that's the way to go right it's like i'm learning that you can't just put a book out no more that's that those days is over like it's yeah. never coming back no it's true it's true but with me, with me doing that even though i would rather do that all day and not think about nothing else it's like right. you just gotta put your time in other little little things to help promote what you want to really be about you know what i'm saying so yeah. i think that'd be dope for you to do though for sure because you're a motivational speaker it's just a it, that's right. an easy way to like yeah, and people yeah. in the seat charging 20 yo it comes with your y'all already paying right. me like the extra right, ten dollars right. y'all get a book too like get a book yeah. nah it's great cross marketing it's great yeah, cross marketing so, it's, it's so close yeah you're right maybe maybe your first book maybe should be like for like like outside of your poem book poetry book right. is like maybe something for your students that you're about to encounter and maybe you want to tell them yeah. how to voice and loopholes instead you know what I mean yeah. like maybe that comes before the romance but that's not a bad idea, whoever gave you that idea, though, for sure. Yeah, so. nah, and, and that's the thing. I, when she said it, I was like, it's a great idea, but it was just like the It's timing, though. Yeah, the timing of it. So, definitely. But I, you're right, though. I like I like what you're saying, because that would be a, a way to cross-market one, and then the podcast, that would be dope, because it could just literally be about that in marketing. Right. So, yeah, I like and you don't have to do it forever just uh, to get the book right. out there and let there be content out there that lives you know what I mean so it's yeah, up to you yeah. but, like but it takes it's time though and that's what people you know time's is valuable for everyone everyone's time is different so that's the hard part that's the, yeah man especially with this pandemic bro this has really showed me the importance of your time and, and, and how nothing's guaranteed nothing's secure nothing, like you know it's like so many people that I know that have had jobs that they thought like, you know, I'm stable here, this and they they're out of a job. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, yo, y'all gotta go, bro. Like these girls. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. real, man. It's it's, like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, so just like 
this going through this whole pandemic and really, really, like, not that I didn't already understand the concept, but like, I'm really like, oh, your time is so valuable. Like, the way you spend it, the things that you put your time into, like, is very important. Like very I mean, everyone says that, but it's like you really don't get the time back. So it's like doing something you love if you can, and if you can't do it as a living at the moment, still find time for it. That's that's right. the best advice I can give somebody. That was great advice, actually, brother. That was no, great. I appreciate that. How did you get into motivational speaking? Um, it's funny, man, because uh, <laughs> it it really wasn't something that I ever planned or thought I would do, but um. After I was on um, the Ellen DeGeneres show, I had, you know, like, obviously. You on the How show. did you get on? You wrote a letter? I wrote a letter. So I, this I is what I've been trying to tell people. Everything starts with writing, no matter what no, the space is. Screenwriting. In order for y'all to watch some good movies y'all love, you got to ask somebody that wrote a dope script. To be an author, you got to have a good premise before you even think about even trying to write a good book. Like, motivational speech. Even if you're not writing line for line, you gotta have the initial ideas of what you want to be portrayed out. Yeah. yeah. No, so, it's true. My fault yeah. for if it interrupts you. I just want to nah, make that point. Nah, don't like so, of why this is so important, writer to writer, no, like of it all is. platforms. It is. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna actually give you the actual story just to show you how important writing is. Um so <clears throat> I'm sitting at my desk, I'm actually working you know, at a, at a job at that time that I was um, affiliated with. And I wasn't really like in a good space thing, you know, like I kind of outgrew that situation. So it was like, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's, it's time for change. It's, you know, it's, it's going in a different direction. Like I kind of, I'm in a different space right now. So during my lunch break, I'm just scrolling. I'm on Facebook, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. So, you know, with Facebook, it's always some ads. Nothing but ads, nothing but ads. They every day. Don't worry, I'm, a, I'm about to join them. Can't, can't escape the ads. So I'm like, all right, cool, boom. So I see an ad for Ellen. So click on the ad. And um, I know my mom liked Ellen. Like at the time, I really, I can't even say that I really was a huge, like Ellen watcher. Like I used to watch the clips all the time and stuff like that. But I can't say I was a diehard Ellen DeGeneres fan. Yeah. But my mom was. So I said, let me see if this is about. So I click on it. So it basically was saying that if you knew somebody in your community, knew somebody close to you that you felt was a difference maker that had a huge impact on the community that that always gives back, um, you know, you could write in and get tickets to be in the audience. So it wasn't to be on the show or anything like that. It was just to be in the audience. So I said, that'd be cool. Like, you know, I could get my mother some tickets. And, right, you know, a little nice free trip to Cali. Why not? Yeah, that's like, cool. <laughs> So I start writing and, you know, you being a writer, I know you can attest to this. At times, when it's a, a subject that you're passionate about, you could get lost in the writing. Like, it, it comes, sometimes it's almost like... It's like yeah. a download. I don't know how to explain it to yeah. people. It's a yeah, download. It's like you're just the person that's illustrating it out, but it's not you really writing it. That's a great way to put it, bro. It's, I, I even give you a, a better clear-cut like visual it's almost yeah. like being asleep right and having your car in cruise control where you're just doing the steering wheel but the car is just moving on its own so yeah you right. have to direct it but that car is going to go so that's what ended up happening to me it was like i was just subconsciously just 
writing what I felt. And, you know, my mother being somebody that I'm extremely passionate about, being raised by a single mother, you know, having a relationship that I've always had with her, being a young black mother and stuff like that. That's always been a topic that was very easy for me to, to, to get lost in, you know what I mean? So as I'm writing, I kind of caught myself. I'm like, damn, I don't think it's supposed to be this long. But um, my coworker was with me. He was like, nah, bro, like send that in. You bugging like, 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 cause I was gonna delete it, bro. Actually, I was like, nah, this is too long. <laughs> it was like, yo, bro, send it in. You bugging? I'm like, all right. So I send it in. I leave, bro, to go get lunch with my coworker. Come back. I don't think I was going 20 minutes, bro. It could have been like 15, 20 the most. I get back. I left my phone on the charger, so I picked my phone up. I'm like, Burbank, California. I'm like, so immediately I'm like, oh, here we go with the bill collectors. And you know, it's like that's my first. Yeah, thing. I got I got no problems, right? Right. <laughs> they left the voicemail. So I'm like, yeah, it's definitely gotta be some bill collectors. So I listened to the voicemail and it's the producers of the show. So I'm like, you know, us being me being me being from the city, bro. My first instinct is oh somebody I know you was about to say me as a black man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! I was gonna say like, like, like being a city guy, like you know. No, no, I know. I'm joking with you. Scamming it, scamming is at an all time high, bro. Like everybody's looking for the next yeah. quick scheme. So I'm thinking, oh, they trying to scam me. This yeah, everyone trying to find out your last four social security, all types of watch. Right. Okay. <laughs> so when I listen to the voicemail, I'm like expecting it to be like some robot, and you know what I mean. So when I pick it up. It's a, a real woman, so I'm like, wait, hold on. So they're like, hey, you know, this is the the executive producer of the Ellen Show. Who, who we got your letter. Um, you know, we would love to jump on a call with you when you get, you know, when you get a chance. So I'm like, I hang up. So I Google the number. I'm like, Google this number. So it says Warner Brothers. So I said, wait, hold on. That's when you gotta like do the do the connections yeah, and make sure like they. <laughs> wait, hold on. So I end up calling back. And it really was dumb. And, you know, we started talking. She let me know. She said, you know, it wasn't a dry eye in the studio. You know, we read the letter. It was so heartfelt. And the rest was history, bro. And um, just to think that a simple letter was able to do that, you know what I mean? It was right. able to get me on a platform that is arguably the biggest, um, you know, daytime talk show, period. You know what I mean? Right now, like, with there not being any Oprah and all that, like Ellen is is it, you know? And even right. back then, Ellen was still it. But Ellen was still, now, was still competing. Yeah, she was up was there. Still competing, but now it's like, there, there isn't really any competition, so she's it, you know? So right. to to make it on a platform of that, you know, magnitude, just off a letter, you know what I mean? It just showed me the importance of, like you said, writing, because it was like, that doesn't happen any other way. I don't, I don't get on from a video. I don't get on from from you know dancing on Instagram or, or making talk or whatever they doing. Yeah. Right. It took it took a letter, bro. You know what I mean? So that being said, I think that um that really opened my eyes to the importance of writing and, and the places that writing can take you even in the smallest form of writing. You know what I mean? Something as simple as a one page letter. But saying all I to say, after being on the show, I, well, for one, Ellen was like, cause you know, I spoke to her backstage and like, she was so cool and, you know, we were conversing and she was just saying like, you know, you're a very elegant speaker. She was like, you know, I was very impressed 
with the way you were able to answer the questions and keep your composure, even though you didn't know this was going to happen. You know what I mean? You didn't know I was going to call you down here. You were going to be in front of all these lights and cameras and you still were able to answer the questions very eloquently. Right. So she, um, you know, her saying that, I said, you know, that's that's deep. Like, I never even thought about speaking in that way. Or you know, like, I never even thought about the importance of being able to do that. So from there, when I um, got back home, because, you know, I, we, we filmed the show, um, and then the day after, we ended up leaving after we filmed it. So we got there, like, two days before we filmed. Served in L.A., did the show, left the next day. And, bro, as soon as I got home and I showed Ed, my DMs were, like, it's like I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have Instagram yet, cause the way my Facebook was flooded with messages, bro, from like so many different companies People that like probably don't see you, that had had you as Facebook didn't realize it, and it's like, oh, let me just say congratulations, you got. Bro. I'm sure I even sent you like, oh, that's dope, congrats. Right. Like, yeah, bro. Like, even like, though I try to still talk to you from time to time, I'm sure you have yeah. people that you haven't spoken to in years, though. Also, bro, that was like, yes, bro. <laughs> People that I never heard a peep from that I didn't even know we were friends. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And then, right. you know, I'm getting, um, I'm getting messages from Africa, bro. Trinidad. Like, I think I didn't even realize the magnitude of how many viewers that show had that could find right. you or hear your name and like look you up. So I'm getting like, like, no, no exaggeration, bro. Like, I had a family from Trinidad and they sent me a video, bro. Like with their daughter watching the episode and they were like, yo, we just want to thank you. Like you really just gave us hope and, and seeing somebody like you on the show just makes us feel like we- That's amazing. It. Yeah, you know, bro, like- It was, it was crazy. crazy. You're not the only one from NEC to be on the show. You and Dale did it, Dale did it too. I never knew Dale was on there. Dale is a, is a, for the viewers, is a mutual friend of ours. He graduated in my class um, of 2011. He actually graduated early too, like me in 2011. Deo is um, into dance, and basically he got in, and his whole family was like dancing on the show. Yeah, yeah, I thought you knew that. I got it, bro. I never, and you know, it's so crazy. I literally, he just you just spoke to him because he he supported you on your merch. Exactly, bro. Literally just got off the phone, and we never had that conversation like about like that being on Ellen. Yeah, that's crazy. I gotta go. I gotta go look that up when we get off. If you text him, he'll 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 probably send you the clip. Yeah, that's wow, that's crazy, but I never knew that. But I did I, know that he danced on the on a lot of big platforms. I did know that because I'm right. But he wrote in about his mom too, because for those that don't know, Dale basically it's out there, so I'm not saying I knew Dale lost his father in the Congo, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, yep. And so from that, I think he wrote about that experience and how Dan's brought his family together and then he found his way to America and that Ellen brought him to the show to like Say happy Mother's Day, I think, to his mom, I think, or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, oh, it's something along those lines, but it was a beautiful yeah, story, as was yours. Yeah, then. Wow. wow. It was all to be, bro. you know, black black men from the same college. That's a predominantly white college. It, it's dope that, like, y'all two made it to that show and that platform. So that's no, dope. Definitely, bro. And um, so just saying that to say, like, when I, when I started receiving so much, like, positive feedback and reception and just hearing people talking. Bro, it was, it was clothing lines reaching out to me to like wear they stuff. And like, it was, it was it was honestly so overwhelming, bro. I had to like delete the app, like the, my Facebook app and like give it like two, three days to just kind of 
decompressed. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy, bro. Like that's when you realize fame, fame was not for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yo, bro, this it, this ain't it. Like I, I like being laid back. I like chilling. I ain't really yeah. so I, I kind of like, let me just get a minute to, to text my my you know self and and, and right. then I could kind of like sort through everything. But in doing that, a lot of messages were from people asking me, did I speak? And they were like, listen, or you know, oh, okay. would you be willing to come? And I'm like, it kind of bugged me out because like I said, I never had even thought about that as a career prior to that. So I'm like, all right, I'm listening to Ellen DeGeneres, somebody who's super successful. Tell me why you're such an eloquent speaker and you could really do stuff like a lot, you know, just talking and using your voice, but to inspire people because you're like, here it is, I'm inspired by your story, you know what I mean? Right. And I was like, yo, that's deep. Like, you know, so she's telling me that now I got people reaching out to me on Instagram asking me to come and do this and do that. So I sat with that for a little while because it's funny because um I didn't make an Instagram until last year, April. And part of the reason was because like I just didn't want to be on a lot of social media. And people kept telling me, make your boat, make an Instagram. And I used to be so like hard headed with it. Like, I'm not making an Instagram, no. It, it can and, get addictive. I could see why he was like, yo, I'm, I already yeah, go on Facebook like, way too much. I don't want to do I'm no like, other social media. Yeah, I'm like, nah, I'm good. And then it's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I know a lot of people. Like, I don't, I'm like, nah, I'm good. And it's funny because, like, my girlfriend was really, like, one of the people on me. Like, yo, you know, for what you do, for your writing, for your this, for your that. Like, it, it's a great platform to promote. She was like, you know, it's a little better than Facebook because you can tag companies and like she's telling me all the business parts of it. I'm like, you know. And then um, at one point, uh, Ellen even said it to me, like, you should make an Instagram. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> no, seriously, bro. It was crazy. No, I believe it. Was just saying all I had to say, um, you know, it, it, hearing, like, like, Ellen tell me, like, yo, you should make an Instagram. Like, that would be a great name for you. And she was even saying, like, if if I had an Instagram around the time that I was on the show, she was like, I could have directly tagged you in the post mm -hmm. that I made. Cause you know, she had posted me on her Instagram and I was on story. She said, I could have really plugged you in. And like, she like all my viewers, my millions of viewers would have been able to directly go to your page and see what you're doing and follow you. And she was like, you know, like, like take it from me. Like after, like, all right, you already missed that part of it, but it's still a good time. And bro, I still didn't listen. I went home and all that. Oh no, nah, now you bugging. Now, now that's all on you. I'm not making an Instagram. And then in April, I had, um, went on a vacation, uh, me and my girlfriend Star, and um, we went to Austin, Texas. And it was just like a lot of stuff happening, like on it, cause it was a, a a health and wellness resort. So it was like, I was doing a lot of meditating and doing, you know, different like things. Like, like it was dope, bro. I'm not gonna, it's called Maryville Austin for anybody okay, that's interested. Dope. Very nice, you know, spa resort, but it's all about like mindfulness and wellness. So you're doing a lot of meditating and the food that you're eating and like, you know, from the the actual you know facility and you know the chickens from there everything is like natural like it's just a real dope experience and um i don't know something about just being there i was like you know what i'm gonna make an instagram and i made it out there that was in april and um you know ever since then it was like i hit the ground running because 
I started to see what everybody was saying about like the, the, the way you can tag a company or you can put a hashtag and that'll make people be able to see and view what you're doing. So then from there, I felt a little more comfortable marketing myself as a motivational speaker. So I started to, you know, respond to some of those people that asked. And so my first gig was actually um, a friend of mine that I went to high school with. Um, he worked at, uh, you know, a school or whatever. And it was an unfortunate situation that happened, but um, a young lady from the school committed suicide. Mm. And um, he called me, he was like, listen, bro, um, you know, we're basically kind of doing like grief counseling right now, like, you know, having the students come and they need to talk to us and stuff like that. He was like, would you be willing to come and just speak about, you know, just mental mental health and, 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 and going through something like this that's so traumatic and, and things that they can do to, you know, try to comfort themselves and comfort each other. So I was like, um, yeah, I'll do it. And I think part of the reason why I was so confident to do it was because I was on island. Because probably in the past, I'd have been like, nah, I don't know, bro. Like, that's not really my field of expertise. So I think the confidence of hearing somebody like Ellen and, and, and having these people reaching out to me to talk made me feel a lot more comfortable. Right. So I accepted it. Um, I spoke. And um, I didn't even know he was filming it when I was speaking because mm. he was like behind me. I didn't even know he was filming it, so I'm just thinking I'm talking, you know, to them. It's a, it's a very intimate setting. It's about 20 to 30 kids. And um, after I was done talking, he sent me the footage. And I was like, oh, wow, like, that's dope. I didn't know you were um, filming. He was like, oh, you should post it. He was like, you, you, like, you spoke very well, bro. And then he was like, the way the kids were engaged and, you know, the way you made such a heavy topic light was dope. So that's said, a gift. It's it's hard to do that. It, bro, and I and that's what I'm starting to realize that because at one point I thought everyone can do this. You know what I mean? And then yeah, I'm like, but if it comes naturally, then that means you're meant to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like anyone can write, but if it comes naturally to you, then you're meant to do it. And honestly, you know? bro, anybody can. Like we we will say that as writers. Because I feel like I but maybe it feels too easy really, to me. But but you but bro, everybody can't. Like, like, not even like, oh, everybody can, but they might know, bro. It's people that are sitting, literally tell you, like, I'm not a writer. I can't do it. Like, I can't sit and put words together. Like, in simple things, bro. Like, I, I remember somebody asked me to write a bio for them. And when I wrote the bio for them, because they were doing, like, a, a panel discussion and they needed a bio, she was like, wow, like, like, I couldn't do that with the information that I provided for you. And it's my information. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel that way about myself. It's hard for me to talk about myself for that way. So, like, when, right. when they actually right. write a cover letter for, but like, she, a... That was difficult because yeah. that's just, like, you feel uncomfortable with your humility. This was, yeah. like, she genuinely couldn't put it together where it would sound like anything. It was, like, I don't know what to do other than to just put the facts. Right. So, that showed me, like, everybody can't do what we do, bro. And with the motivational speaking, even more so, I started to see it because it was, like, I would be going to these events and venues. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, it's crazy because I genuinely think this is my calling. And I'll tell you what I really thought. I went to Queens College and I, and I spoke on, I was the keynote speaker, right? And it's the graduation and it's a crowd of like, I say like three to 4,000. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
nervous, bro. Like, honest to God, like, I'm nervous. Because you got to remember, I didn't do this prior to. So I did the little, you know, the little thing for my man at my, you know, at the high school. And that's 20 to 30 kids. Then I did a couple other things similar to that where, like, it was an audience of 40, 50 the most. So I'm, I'm starting to get comfortable, but it's, it's intimate settings that I'm doing it at. Then I get asked to do this. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of like big. Like, I don't know. Like, this is like, I never did this before, three, four thousand. So now I, I get up there and, you know, it's so weird, bro, because my, you know, I, I bring my girlfriend with me and she's like in the audience. And when I spoke, she was like, yo, were you nervous? And I was like, was I nervous? Like, you can't yeah. tell. <laughs> it was like, nah, like, you look so comfortable up there. And um, and I explained to Tasha, you know what? I think I really found my purpose. I said, because I said, prior to getting up there, I was sweating bullets. Like, I, I said, literally, it felt like I have a heart attack. My, my heart's beating out right. of control. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, like, sweating. I'm, I'm, I'm just, like, scared, bro. Like, genuinely scared. Like, yo, I don't know. Like, I don't want to mess up. Like, look at all these yeah. people. That's you what holds a lot of people, a lot of us back, right? It's like the fear of messing up, but it's like, yeah, if you stumble, it's okay. But, but it's and, hard to feel it, though. <laughs> and, you're, but bro, and when you're in natural, it's like, it's crazy. Because I'm sure, like, when you write, initially, it might feel like, wow, this is a lot. Like, I'm about to write a book. And then it felt like that because I never went to school for writing. I went to school for business administration. Was, so, like, me thinking about... Right, yeah, I was like, yeah. well, that shows you that's your calling, because because even with you not thinking about that or that being something that you even thought about as a career, you're able to do it and knock it out. And even if it was intimidating at first, once you did it, you did it. And that's what I learned about the speaking thing, because I got up there and immediately, as soon as I touched that microphone, everything went away. Mm. And everything flowed. Like, I went from <laughs> to a sense of peace and like like it was almost like a shift in me like but naturally like it wasn't nothing I did or I didn't even psych myself like it just naturally happened as soon as I got that microphone all that went out the way so I told her I said you know I really think I'm walking in my calling I'm like because it was almost like like uh it was almost unnatural bro to be honest the way I was able to just turn it off because I'm telling you when I say my heart was pounding I didn't think I was gonna be able to make it. Like I'm like, yo, my voice is probably gonna sound shaky because I'm breathing so hard. I feel like my voice shakes every day, especially with this mic. Like I'm now trying to get used to like how I sound. I'm like, yo, oh, my joy is And I think we're hard on ourselves too, because it's like you you always want to have the highest, you know, expectations for yourself. So it's like yeah. you're always like overthinking, oh this is crazy. But bro, it just it flowed. And then honestly to God, bro, after that. The rest was history. Then it was just it, it just started picking up, you know. And then it was it was Queens College. Then it was Columbia University. Then Boston Boston College reached out to me. Then after Boston College, it was a, a school out in um, Worcester, Massachusetts. And then it was just like like honestly, bro, it was almost like I lit a match and it just set on fire, bro. And like I was just getting booked everywhere, and I'm, I'm traveling, I'm doing my thing, and right. I think like. Once I mastered, like, like wow, like I'm comfortable. Like this is my element. It was like I could do this. Like this is a career. Have you done ten thousand hours yet in that art form yet? Or uh, uh, maybe in the preparation parts, but like actually speaking, because I feel like that's when you 
feel really comfortable on the new say, level. I would definitely say, yeah, because I've been doing it for about a year and some change now because I, I started in... So I would say, like, on a bigger scale because the the uh, the talking at the school, like, I went... Like, yeah, it was, but I wouldn't compare that to, like, speaking at Queens College and stuff. So I would say uh, May of 2019 was when I started gotcha. definitely because I you know the preparation from writing to to preparing to going to the actual you know venue to right. you know like it, it's a lot but it also showed me like you said the importance of marketing and marketing yourself because that's one thing about the motivational speaking thing is you got to be seen doing it so it's right. important. So you, you got to take those licks up front, which hurts regardless. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? So it's like, yeah. that really like, like put a whole different perspective for me of everything. You know what I mean? Just like with you saying, like, this new age of, of th- this new age of like books being, uh, you know, not, not in demand. To the to the average person, the way they it were. Is, I feel like it is if they like you, but it's like, I gotta get you to like me first, and that's the hard part, right? Because I'm I'm a very private person most of the time, so it's like now I'm gonna gotta do something that I'm not used to doing, which that's is the new experience. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Because you you definitely always were, even with your brother. Like yeah, I just laugh like yo, it's crazy because like, like we two different brother, people. Like, yeah, he do, and then you do your own thing, so it's like you know, like Peyton would be with us. Yeah. Knocking out like back in and, and like we were, I would always laugh like yo like Brent really does his own thing like he don't need a group you know like he just chill he vibe out so I know for you this is but it was always love I still give pounds to everyone but it's oh, like no. then it's like yeah always nah you was our brother no question but I yeah. just always knew like yeah he's, he's good he's content on his own like you know what I'm saying he'll yeah. show love and then go sit somewhere else and do his own thing so I know for you this is really for like people that are viewing that don't personally know you this is definitely you stepping up for me right you know what I'm and, and, and i'm proud of you for doing that for real no nah, i appreciate that and the funny thing me and Payne is twins so it's like we're not we're not oh. even, like, no it was crazy what? it was crazy to be like yo they really two different people like yeah. I, I play lacrosse he played ball like it was just two yeah. different things like yeah. all the time so now nah, so, that's a fact but yeah, bro. So that's that's kind of how the, the whole motivational speaker thing started for me. Like just, but kind of by accident, you know. Like not even uh, something that I could say. Like oh, I, I envisioned it and, and you know put the work in. It was kind of like you know, I just stumbled upon it and it worked. And then I, you know, I put the work in after realizing oh, this is something I could do, and I actually like doing it. You know. No, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we had such a great talk. I'm going to cap it with the quote of the week and then we do lyrics of the week. So the quote of the week. Actually, do you have any more questions? I don't want to just... Nah, bro. Nah, dude, this was... was All right, quote of the week is every secret of a writer's soul, every experience of his life, every quality of his mind is is written large in his works, Virginia Woolf. So I'm going to say that again. I don't know if everyone got to hear me. Every secret of a writer's soul, every experience of his life, every quality of his mind is written large in his works. So I just thought that was a deep thought from uh, a writer. 
And then I usually do lyrics of the week, and I know you was a big Fabulous fan, so. Oh, yeah, you know, that's family, so. Oh, okay, my fault. Yeah. I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah, 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 that's my okay. Said, yeah. So, like, the first, um, his first album, I think it's track six, One Day, so uh, it's just the chorus. Um, mom, my, mom, my mom used to tell me some, you're going to make it one day, it'll happen. Who knew? I had to take it. I had what it takes to be famous, and one day I'll be rapping, though. My papa used to ask me, son, are you prepared? Because one day it could happen. I dreamed about this game, but who would have believed that one day I'd be trapped in though? So from the chorus, basically, what I got was just like, he finally manifested a, a long-time dream of his, no matter the obstacles it took for him to get there. And I thought that was pretty dope, because I feel like you're somebody that manifests some of the things you want to accomplish, and, and they come true no matter what the time it takes. So. And that being Appreciate the person that, that you would always, always bump in school, I was like, let me, let me give him somebody yeah, that you I, listen to. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. And actually, I, if, if it's okay, I, I, I like to throw a quote at you too, bro. Please. And it's, and it's uh, my favorite author, Richard Wright. And, um, and, and the quote is, men starve from a lack of self-realization just as much as they do from a lack of bread and water. And mm. that's always resonated with me because I feel like a lot of the time, like you said, like about, you know, not wanting to take that step. It's just the lack of, you know, believing in yourself sometimes. And it's very important to to not starve yourself of that self-realization. Cause once you realize your worth and what you can contribute to the world, like the sky's the limit. You know, when I realized that is when I removed the word humble out of my life. Cause humble means low frequency, low vibration, milling down to people. Are we gonna be equal to to be grateful, be gracious, you know what I mean? have grace right. you don't have to be humble that's when people say humble i know they really mean especially in our community they really mean be grateful so it's like remove the word humble because humble is a very low frequency word and once you learn that you start moving with a better presence of even trying to take risks you know what i mean so that's real. That's i'm gonna give to people Most definitely. i like that bro yeah. i think i'm gonna i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna do this same bro. Because right. it's like we all mean the same thing. It's just, you know what I mean? The word humble for some reason gets a, it's just nah, a little negative. Words are powerful, bro. Right. Words are powerful. So I want to thank everyone for listening to me and Chi. This is Americana Quill, writer to writer. Y'all have a blessed day.